The Dauntless Gambit by Eric Flowers. Narrated by Chris Lynch. Episode 45, No Sense of Victory. 25. That was as many steps as Gallo could take before needing to turn around while he paced back and forth across the sitting room of his expansive Terminus residence. It was meditative, a rote mechanical task he could allow his body to do while he thought. Many devout monks in humanity's history had used winding, labyrinth paths as a way to contemplate the questions of life and the divine. Gallo knew where his path ended, however, and it was exactly where he intended. He mouthed silently to himself, occasionally glancing down at the sheet of paper where his own handwriting displayed the speech he was preparing to give within the hour. It was the first where he would be introducing the Creator back into the minds of his conspirators. Hopefully that passage received a few subdued gasps or wary looks. It would signal that the Republic would be different. He was not bringing about mere evolution, but an ascension. Gallo hummed with satisfaction. Perhaps he could include that line in the speech. He scribbled the addition on his sheet of paper. The act of writing by hand gave him time to consider each word before committing it to the page. Additionally, there was no risk of his incendiary words being compromised in the digital systems before he had the chance to speak them. The document vaporizer may burn away the words on the page, but the words from Gallo's lips would burn away the empire. Gallo reached the end of his 25 paces and turned, reviewing the final lines of the speech one last time. Politicians use speechwriters. The High Imperius had not spoken his own words in public in over a decade. Even Defense Minister Archer had a team of public relations experts who screened everything she wrote, informing her how the polls predicted her words would resonate. Their words might be powerful, but they were not their own. When Gallo spoke publicly, he spoke his own message, and the honing of his message honed his mind, leaving it sharp and determined. No one else's words would escape his mouth, save for the Creator's. Gallo reached the center of his sitting room, satisfied. Every pause, every fluctuation in volume, every moment of emphasis and restraint was carefully planned for maximum tension. His audience was, quite literally, a captive one. All of his gathered collaborators would be listening to him, whether they wanted to or not. The speech was meant to remind them of their allegiances in the days to come, when Gallo the Man was no longer on Kestris. By then, it would have to be Gallo the Image, and the memory of what they heard that would keep them in line. The intercom chimed. Yes, Gallo said. Captain Alliday's voice came back over the speaker. Sir, Defense Minister Archer has arrived. She is in the lobby awaiting your invitation. Gallo's replacement for the head of the Empire was here for her appointment. Right on time. She was learning. Have her escorted to me, Gallo said, walking to the expansive desk he used when working from his residence, even though his offices were no more than a minute's walk away. He dropped the sheet of paper into the slot of a document vaporizer, watching as the invisible lasers superheated it into atoms. The page's contents only existed in his mind now, and soon in the minds of all who heard his words. Gallo adjusted his uniform, making sure to fasten the top of the collar tightly against his neck. The blue fabric he wore was not long for this world. Soon, the uniform and all the other imperial heraldry would be replaced, including the High Imperius himself. 
Across the expansive sitting room, the double doors slid open, and the soon-to-be former Defense Minister Erin Archer strode in, her long, wavy hair billowing slightly as she walked. She was flanked by two honor guard on either side, their faces impassive. Gallo smiled as she approached. Despite Archer's persistent stubbornness toward him, his confidence in choosing her was bolstered as she entered the room. She looked genetically engineered to tap into the hearts and minds of the people with her understanding and empathetic eyes, her warm and carefree smile when needed, and her stern but fair scowl when not. Gone were the varied colors that normally made up her wardrobe. Now she wore a sharp charcoal suit and high-collared, muted gray dress shirt. The shades of grief. She might push back against Gallo, but she did know how to be on brand when needed, and it would be needed she was about to usher her people through a difficult period of mourning. State funerals and memorials would be filling her calendar for months to come. Archer and the two honor guard came to a stop. Gallo gave her a fiendish smile. Defense Minister, welcome to the Terminus. Thank you, Fleet Marshal. The escort is a wonderful touch. I feel so safe in your private quarters aboard a flagship that rivals some entire fleets, Archer said with the expected acidic sarcasm, nodding to the honor guard at her side. Gallo smiled. The caustic pluck Archer reserved only for their private conversations was as biting as ever. Gallo nodded, and at once his honor guard turned and exited. Archer smiled pleasantly until the doors slid shut. Then her pleasant smile shifted to a familiar one of impatience and grudging respect. That was fine by Gallo. He did not need to be liked he needed to be respected. Gallo could return her sarcasm just as well. It was an inelegant verbal tool used by those who felt the need to draw a veil over their aggression. They are only there to assist you if you should need them. Rest assured, you are perfectly safe aboard the Terminus, Gallo said, clasping his fingers together behind his back as he resumed his pacing. However, in the coming weeks and months, I cannot guarantee your safety when you are carrying out your new duties as president. I am assigning a detail of honor guard to you. Bodyguards, drivers, pilots, all in plain clothes. They have been instructed to obey you and interfere as little as possible. Gallo stopped, looking back over his shoulder at Archer and smiling. My gift to you. Archer folded her arms, head tilting as she spoke. A gift of your honor guard? It is unnecessary. I already have a security detail I am quite pleased with. Gallo turned to face Archer, narrowing his eyes. Drop the pretense that this is a discussion, Aaron. The honor guard have been instructed not to interfere with you in any way, but do not underestimate the ire of imperial loyalists when forced to accept a new president who came into power without an election. You will be a target for assassination the moment the announcement is made. Gallo resumed his pacing his smirk hidden from Archer's view. The last thing I need is to have to find a replacement for you. If you insist on protesting every action you know you have no choice in, this is going to be a very slow, annoying presidency. Archer huffed, but ever the skilled politician recovered and gave Gallo a near-perfect facsimile of a genuine smile. Despite your continuous reminders of our special collaboration, I will need to govern in a legitimate capacity to keep this new republic from falling apart before it begins. While the High Imperius was content allowing his government to run without his supervision, 
I intend to steward from a place of genuine leadership. You must extend a modicum of trust. Gallo stopped his pacing, raising a quizzical eyebrow at Archer. Trust? Aaron, I trust you, just as I trust everyone to be self-serving opportunists ready to betray their allies in order to accumulate power. Trusting someone and believing in their virtues are not synonymous. Archer nodded slowly. That is a sentiment about which I am sure you are an expert. Gallo held eye contact for a moment, then broke it to resume his pacing. He appreciated her fire. So few were willing to upset Gallo that often he wondered if anyone would ever offer him constructive criticism again, let alone outright defy him. His culture of fear and intimidation was almost too perfect. He had no one left he could rely on to advise him of pending mistakes. Thankfully, Gallo did not make mistakes. Do not worry, Aaron. I have no intention of meddling in politics, nor do I plan on remaining on Kestris. The Terminus and I will be more than occupied out there, Gallo said, gesturing to the expanse of space they both knew he intended to conquer. The day-to-day -day affairs of governing I happily leave in your capable hands. Your moment is coming. The pains of this birth are nearly complete. Archer took a deep breath, calmly clasping her hands together. Indeed, Fleet Marshal. Good, Gallo said, ceasing his pacing directly in front of Archer. I summoned you here, not only so those gathered in the conference chamber would see you in attendance, but so that I could get a sense of your resolve, to see if the pending turmoil you know your people will face has gotten to you, weakened you. I am a difficult person to work with, Aaron, and the times ahead? They're going to get worse before they get better. And if you are going to break... I wanted to see if there are any cracks showing while there is still time to prevent the crumbling. Gallo stared at Archer, slowly scanning each feature of her face, her clothing, her posture. She would never have believed him had he told her, but Gallo did already have a candidate ready to replace her. Should he see a crack in this moment before he sentenced the Empire to death, his honor guard had been given instructions for if Archer did not leave the room alive. Archer narrowed her eyes staring back at Gallo without fear. She looked... irritated. Well, she asked, single eyebrow raised. Perfect. Arrogant enough to push back. Ignorant enough not to believe Gallo would snap her neck where she stood. Gallo tipped his chin downward. As unmarred as ever. Archer held his gaze for a moment more, then smiled and found someplace else in Gallo's residence to look. Her gaze eventually rested on a tall steel glass case in the corner that held two objects in its hard vacuum interior, an ancient wooden spear with a hammered bronze tip affixed to the top, and on a pedestal next to it, a badly damaged helmet, also hammered bronze, diamond-shaped hole in its side matching the outline of the spearhead. Whoever the owners of these ancient implements from humanity's homeworld were, they appeared to have been adversaries. Gallo saw Archer's smile waver. Perhaps she was starting to understand what he truly valued. Victory at any cost. Archer regained her composure, returning her attention to Gallo. If I may be excused, I would like to take my seat in the conference chamber. I presume once you arrive, there will be little chance for me to engage in the politically advantageous conversations you have entrusted me with. Gallo gave Archer a subtle, sardonic smile and gestured to the exit with a sweep of his arm. <laughs>
Archer bowed her head. Fleet Marshal. Gallo tipped his chin. Madam President. A sly smile crossed her lips at the new appellation. And to think Archer tried to deny she was just another opportunist. She strode to the exit with as much pride as she had entered. The doors parted as she approached. Her head turned to the honor guard that had been waiting just outside the door. When she spoke, her voice had an impatient edge of command reserved for everyone but Gallo. Well, I presume you two have your new orders. Let's go, she said to the honor guard just as the doors slid shut. Gallo let out a breath, resuming his pacing. Archer was getting what she wanted, and though the slight pushback was mildly irritating, it was a good sign. She'd played her part with minimal protest, just enough for Gallo to be sure she wouldn't roll over for the first politician who pressured her once he left Kestris. She had been the perfect blend, driven enough to cross boundaries most wouldn't, but just insecure enough for Gallo to intimidate her. Gallo reached the 25th step of his pacing and turned around just as the intercom chimed again. Yes, Gallo said. Sir, all guests have arrived. The conference chamber is ready for you at your convenience, Alloday said. Gallo closed his eyes and drew in a breath as slow as he could manage, held it, then released just as slow. Very good, Captain. Please prepare the chamber's lighting sequence for my entrance. Gallo walked to the sitting room desk and gripped the recessed handle on one of the desk drawers, letting it register his unique biosignature, then pulled it open. Inside was a small medical kit, the only item the drawer contained. Gallo withdrew the kit and set it on the desk. He flipped open the hinged lid and withdrew a dull metal injector kept inside, which held a mix of stimulants, synthetic androgen hormones, a neurological concoction that inhibited both pain and the body's natural safeguards against muscle fiber overcontraction, and anti-inflammatories to offset the damage it caused. As the years caught up to him, maintaining his significant muscle mass grew more difficult with each day. The hormones helped keep up the illusion of his imperviousness. Soldiers called the mixture suicide juice for the delusions of invincibility it tended to cause. Nothing Gallo needed to worry about, of course. The creator's hands guided his path. The concoction would simply give him the appropriate energy and vitality needed to sell the tone of his speech. He was about to send this empire into war, best look the part of the supreme and invincible commander. Gallo pulled open the front of his uniform jacket, hammered the injector into his chest, and depressed the plunger for exactly one dose. A quick glance indicated this cartridge had three left. His personal physician and chief of medicine aboard the Terminus had warned against overuse. The recommendation had been noted. Satisfied and already feeling the rush of euphoria from the cocktail, Gallo placed the injector back into the case and closed the drawer. He fastened his uniform closed once again and took a powerful step toward the doors when the computer on his desk chirped. Gallo stopped. It was not the intercom chime Alliday used. This was the sound of his emergency channel that bypassed his administrative staff. Gallo eyed the door. His attention pulled both toward it and the message simultaneously. Nothing this message could say would be important enough to delay him from delivering his address. And yet, if that were the case, there was no harm in satisfying the curiosity generated by the message. Curiosity won. Gallo growled and impatiently tapped in the commands to retrieve the message, his fingers slamming into the computer like tiny fists. The list of anonymous sources this could have originated from was short 
but not short enough to make a guess without further distraction. It was irrelevant who sent it. It was someone Gallo had entrusted with this contact method, and it was only the content that mattered at the moment. With a pained sigh, he opened the message. A haze of red blurred his vision, drug-enhanced fury coursing through his veins like liquid fire. Gallo's hand closed into a fist, quivered, then slowly relaxed. He shut his eyes, forcing the information into a mental compartment. He had more important things to attend to at present. Taking care of this would have to wait, but he would take care of it. Permanently. All critical members of the Restoration were gathered in the conference chamber in Gallo's executive deck of the Terminus. Security had been increased to unprecedented levels. Honor guards stood at every door of the restricted deck. Each attendee had been searched and scanned, and transmission jammers were set to block any and all signals for the duration of the address. This was the final call to arms before the birth of the new Kestris Republic. Rennick was dressed in his division uniform, the same unadorned blue as Gallo and his honor guard. He sat in the auditorium gallery as he had before, calmly watching with the rest of the audience invited to witness this moment. Beneath the sleeve of his right arm was the regeneration cast. The triple dose of Dr. Gast's painkillers made the pain almost non-existent. Rennick's mind floated atop the pain. He felt buoyant and alert. Yes, alert. He would not appear to be operating at anything other than peak efficiency. This was the fleet marshal's moment of glory, and Rennick would not taint it. Unlike the last time Rennick had been in this chamber, the large table that occupied the center of the cavernous room had chairs around each side. On the wall-sized vid screen that ran the length of the chamber, where the faces of the ten generals and admirals beamed live across jump space, each next to the planets they had been entrusted with watching over. Their fleets were already in place, ready to take necessary measures to reduce an inevitable civil war to a mere blip in the sector's history. Each of those ten faces had seen what happened to Admiral Elliot in this very room. None wished to meet the same end. They simply had to follow Gallo's orders for one more day, and then all would be right. Just like Rennick, one more day. Around the large table were the second tier of trusted admirals, generals, warship captains, and other high-ranking officials crucial to the successful execution of the Restoration. Even Defense Minister Archer was at the table, her first appearance among the collaborators, and a testament to Gallo's influence. If the Defense Minister backed him, the rest of the rank-and-file politicians would follow. At the center of the table, with its back to the vid screen, was the single, empty seat. Gallo's seat. Rennick looked to the door he knew Gallo would soon emerge from, the same that Admiral Elliot's body had been dragged through. A wry grin bent Rennick's lips. It was a shame about Elliot, but that was what happened when one crossed Gallo. Thankfully, Rennick had made it back to Kestris, addressed his broken arm, and was here in the auditorium for Gallo to see that he, Commander Rennick Tau, was loyal and ready to serve. Rennick took a breath, feeling almost giddy through his drug-assisted euphoria, Everything was going to be fine. In the seat next to Gallo's empty one was Vice Admiral Lenault. No, Vice Marshal Lenault. He'd been promoted. Rennick scanned the room for Major Drake. No sign. Maybe a promotion to Major Tau was more likely than he realized, if Drake was still not part of this elite inner circle. Without prompting, 
Vice Marshal Lenault stood, causing the low murmur of voices that filled the chamber to go silent. The lights in the chamber lowered, leaving only the overhead spotlights above the table illuminated. How Lenault knew to stand was anyone's guess. Rennick presumed he had a hidden earpiece, facilitating Gallo's penchant for dramatic entrances. Lenault turned, facing the hidden door at the opposite end of the chamber's entrance. Some in attendance, likely first-time attendees, looked to Lenault as if they expected him to make an announcement. Rennick knew there would be no announcement. The man they were here to witness did not require one. A sliver of light appeared as the door opened, quickly widening into a solid rectangle. The backlit silhouette of a powerfully built figure appeared, cleaving through the light. At the table, the rest of the attendees suddenly stood, finally realizing there would be no announcement. Those seated in the auditorium rose as well, the sound of rustling fabric and creaking seatbacks the only noise. Rennick, his thoughts light and ephemeral, hurried to his feet, a brief instant of lightheadedness causing momentary unbalance. Gallo marched forward, emerging from the private entrance with powerful steps that echoed against the high ceiling. He strode across the chamber, proceeding directly to his empty seat, giving those gathered at the table nothing more than a passing glance. He arrived next to Lenault, giving the new vice marshal a single nod. Lenault returned the nod and sat, followed by the rest of those at the table, who were followed by those in the auditorium seating. Rennick again hurried to follow their lead, making certain he was not caught drawing unwanted attention to himself. Gallo turned to face the room, shoulders pulled back in a pose of absolute authority. Everyone gathered gazed up at the standing fleet marshal, the time for doubt in his plans long past. All had cast their lot with him, even Defense Minister Archer appeared to have an expression of genuine reverence. She knew what Rennick and all the rest knew. There was no backing out for any of them. Either they all succeeded and the history of the Republic regarded them as brave revolutionaries of the Restoration, or they all failed and the history of the Empire branded them as traitors and cowards. As if on cue, Gallo slowly clasped his hands behind his back, his voice drenching the chamber like a distant thunder rolling in. We are on the precipice of the most important day in the history of the Imperium. The empire that conquered this system and spread humanity throughout the sector faces a trial, a trial of determination and resolve. Those who led the billions that call this system home stand accused and are found guilty of the highest crime any leader can commit, willfully neglecting to protect those they serve for their own benefit, their own greed, their own quest for amassing power and wealth at the expense of those they serve. They, at the top, the High Imperius and his cadre of fawning cronies, are no longer leaders. They are parasites, an overgrown minority, attaching themselves to the populace and feasting on the blood of the people, unconcerned with whether they will drain their host dry. And dry the host has become. Dry of the willingness to accept this exploitation any further. We, gathered here, are the immune system, the cure for the disease of these parasites. We will save the body of this republic. These parasites will be exterminated given no quarter and no chance of redemption. The days of the Imperium as we know it, and the reign of the High Imperius, 
Edwin Savant, must come to an end while there is still blood left in our veins. This is the restoration, the evolution of empire to republic. We are the guardians of the new Kestris Republic and will serve it with true honor and reverence as it deserves. You are all heroes. History will judge me. Some of you judge me now. I accept that as part of my own sacrifice. Understand that I am not a heartless person. A child of the fringe, I have served the Imperium my entire adult life. I have fought for it, killed for it, and put myself in harm's way so that I might be able to die defending it. But there have been none who have bested me in combat, be it physical, mental, or spiritual, and I have been denied the chance to make that ultimate sacrifice. It is not what the Creator has planned for me, and when the time comes for me to be taken back into the Creator's arms, I will go willingly, as I hope all of you will too when your times come. This restoration we are carrying out is a painful but necessary task. None of us wish to harm our fellow citizens, and we do so with great remorse. I care for the people of the Imperium and for the Imperium itself, which is why I am helping it evolve, to cast off its parasites and begin anew. The Imperium will be laid to rest, given the proper burial it deserves, so the new Kestris Republic can grow in the soil that its decaying body enriches. Accusations will come, claiming that I acted out of self-interest, out of a lust for power and control. They will say that the incoming president is a puppet and that her claim has no validity. Know that you stand on the side of righteousness. The more hatred you endure without retaliation, the more faith the people will have in you as leaders. They will see that they are no longer led by the weak. The violence we commit against our own will be swift, decisive, and fair. This is day zero of the restoration. For Kestris below, this is the last day you will see it under the rule of the Imperium of old. Each of you, as well as all the others with the courage to make this restoration possible, are the stewards of a future era unrivaled in known history. Generations will thank you. They will remember you. The discomfort of the coming weeks will fade, and we will all look back on this and appreciate how necessary it was. We are not bringing about mere evolution, but an ascension. Orders will be issued to all involved in the coming hours. You are to follow them, no matter how distasteful they may seem. It will not be easy, but in the end, you will be glad. You have my gratitude, my respect, and may the Creator watch over all of us. You are dismissed. With those final words, Gallo turned and strode back to his private entrance, the slap of his boot heels echoing against the chamber ceiling until the fleet marshal disappeared back behind the door. A murmur broke out in the chamber, hushed voices beneath the rustle of fabric and footsteps. Each in attendance had known this was coming, though likely not the reintroduction of the ancient religion, but hearing that the time had arrived was different. Now, it was real. Rennick let the hint of a smile cross his lips as he made his way down the gallery steps. He had made it. The last year of effort and dedication was culminating in this, the ultimate of payoffs. Acting as a hidden, unrecognized instigator had been a satisfying experience, 
but it was time to embrace his new life. He'd done what Gallo had asked and would serve the new Kestris Republic with the rank and privilege he deserved. As Rennick's foot left the final step and touched down on the chamber floor, one of the honor guard appeared directly in his path. Commander Tao, the fleet marshal would like to have a word with you. Rennick swallowed. Of course, he said, face twitching between a grin and a scowl as his instincts seemed to short circuit. He had not been aware that Gallo would request a private conversation, and there was little chance the honor guard would allow him to defer and slip away into the hall. The honor guard turned, stalking back toward the door. Rennick stole a glance down the right sleeve of his uniform. The cast was not visible. He wiggled his fingers, clenched and unclenched his fist. He felt a dull ache, but the pain-killing drugs were doing their job. It would have to be enough. They proceeded through the conference chamber, the small crowd parting as they moved against the flow heading the other direction. No one blocked their way, even the highest-ranking admirals and generals. The honor guard made a straight line for the hidden door that Gallo had disappeared through, the same door where the body of the late Admiral Elliot had been escorted out of alive and then dragged back through, dead. Rennick wasn't sure what he'd expected, but the private room behind Gallo's grand conference chamber was devoid of any furniture or decor. It was a vestibule, a staging area that seemed to serve no purpose other than facilitating Gallo's entrances. There was a single, floor-to-ceiling window, the terminus currently looking down on the Kestris City's night. Otherwise, the vestibule was dim and empty, no one present but Gallo, Rennick, and six honor guard standing at attention. Gallo stood at the window, back turned to Rennick, hands clasped, looking to the planet below. The door behind Rennick closed. The room's acoustics deadened and eerily silent. Rennick chanced a glance over his shoulder. The honor guard who had escorted him stood in front of the door. The other six were split, three on each side of the room, each staring forward. Fleet Marshal, sir, I, Rennick started. Gallo lifted a hand, still facing away. Rennick felt his throat tighten. Gallo's sculpted back muscles that stretched his uniform shifting slightly, all framed against the darkened Kestris beyond. Gallo sighed, bulging shoulders rising and dropping. The window went dark. It was a vid screen like the one in the chamber. On it, an OS-9 intelligence report appeared, the text of the document white against the blackened surface, the report filling the entire window-turned display. Rennick squinted, reading the summary title across the top. Indigo Report 317. Unexplained absence of red kestrel activity. A tickle of relief almost caused him to scoff. He resisted. This he could talk his way out of. Gallo turned his head, not quite looking over his shoulder. It appears that Reed Casto has gone back on our agreement. Across the sector, the Red Kestrels have gone dark. I presume your Kestrel confederates on the surface have ceased communication as well. Rennick cleared his throat, attempting to catch the eye of one of the honor guard, they only stared forward. None would offer him a glance. Yes, sir. The intelligence is just coming in, but it does seem that Casto has betrayed you, predictably, but still unfortunate. Gallo remained facing away, a low hum preceding his words. I presume the Dauntless was never located. 
I had hoped to use its recovery and declassification as a symbol of our victory, proof that the Republic delivers what the Empire could not. Rennick feigned concern. What was Gallo's obsession with this ship? He had hundreds of Corvette warships of the same configuration. Any could be renamed the Dauntless, and none in the New Republic would be the wiser. No, sir. I mean, yes. Casto has denied you that victory, Rennick said, realizing as he spoke that Gallo had not actually asked him a question and likely did not require Rennick's consolation. Gallo turned, hands still behind his back, eyes cast toward the floor, brow furrowed in contemplation. There was still a task that required the Kestrels as a proxy, he said. Rennick lifted a hand slightly, his left hand. Sir, I am certain we can find... Behind Gallo, the OS-9 report on the window display blinked away, replaced by something else. Bits of information jumped out at him. Sonali. His Imperium identification number. Calm beacon logs. The ship Gallo had given him to use. Rennick's mouth went dry. This was all information from his trip to Sonali. Kogan erased this. Had Gallo been tracking his movements with the ship all along? How could this have happened? Rennick pushed the speculation aside, focusing on his immediate needs. Mitigate the damage. Justify actions. Deflect blame. Convince Gallo that he, Rennick, had made the right move despite disobeying him. Focus on the outcome. That was what Gallo would appreciate. Eliminating Kat Basara had been a necessary tactical victory and had nothing to do with the Red Kestrels going dark. Sir, the... Rennick started. Gallo raised his gaze, his eyes quickly shifting from a stare of disappointment to one of twisted rage. Rennick took an instinctual, fearful step backward. It was too slow. Gallo lunged, arms shooting forward, his hand wrapping around Rennick's throat. Rennick stumbled backward, Gallo pushing him with inhuman strength. Rennick's body slammed into the metal wall behind him, Gallo's grip holding him firmly in place. Rennick raised his left arm, injured right still hanging at his side, and attempted to pull Gallo's grasp away from his throat. Rennick felt his feet leave the ground as he struggled, Gallo lifting him from the ground like a child. Around them, the honor guards stood motionless. Rennick choked and sputtered, finally bringing up his broken right arm to try and loosen Gallo's grasp. He swept his gaze across the room. This time, one of the honor guard, a young woman, met Rennick's eyes then returned to her forward stare. They would not be answering his plea. As his lungs began to burn, Rennick kicked back against the metal wall, hoping someone in the chamber behind might hear his desperate request for assistance, a profoundly foreign act for Rennick. He had done countless solo missions and never once needed or wanted help. Even if someone heard his feet pounding on the wall, who could offer him assistance? Who would? Even if there were someone in the sector who would stand up against Gallo, they certainly would not do so for Rennick. You defied me at the cusp of victory, Gallo shouted, fury burning in his voice. I had thought you could serve as a stand-in for him, someone I could watch grow in the future I have created. Don't you understand? Gallo crushed down on Rennick's throat, muscled arm rippling beneath the fabric of his uniform. I was wrong. You are no surrogate. My son died for nothing and now you will too. Gallo's hand crushed down further. Even in Rennick's desperation, Gallo's words confused him. Stand in for what? 
What was Gallo talking about? That he was some sort of surrogate? For who? A son? Gallo had no family Rennick knew of. There was no time left to wonder. He could feel the cartilage of his trachea pop and deform. He ignored the surge of pain in his right arm and pulled harder at Gallo's hand around his throat while his feet struggled beneath him. Rennick's vision grew dark. He'd failed Gallo, and this was his punishment. Except, it wasn't fair. He'd done everything Gallo had asked and had only ever taken a moment for himself on Sonali. Cat Basara, the Red Kestrels, Reed Casto, they didn't matter. Gallo had won. What did he care what Rennick had done? Rennick had not betrayed Gallo. In fact, in this moment, it was Gallo who was betraying Rennick. A dam of rage burst in Rennick's chest. He let go of his admiration for the man before him, the man killing him, and let his instincts take over. He met eyes with Gallo, his own face twisting into a mirrored mask of rage. If Gallo was through with him, fine. He might die at his hand, but not like one of the many disposable lackeys Rennick had executed so many times in the past. Not like this. He was not a lackey. He was Rennick Tau, and Rennick Tau did not go down without a fight. Rennick slid his hands from Gallo's wrist to his elbow, pulling down with all the force he could summon while simultaneously lifting his feet from the ground, bringing his entire body weight against Gallo's extended arm. Gallo's arm dipped. Even his superhuman strength could not support that much weight. The grip around Rennick's throat weakened, allowing Rennick to take a new gasp of air as his vision returned. Feet finding the solid metal deck, Rennick yanked Gallo's hand from his neck, freeing himself from the choking grasp. Rennick cried out, the rage he felt amplified by the pain exploding from his right arm. He shoved Gallo's arm aside, dropping back into a fighting stance. The seven present honor guard rushed forward. Gallo raised a clenched fist. No, do not interfere, Gallo shouted. The honor guard all slid to a stop, encircling Gallo and Rennick, their normally impassive faces scrunched in confusion. The distraction lasted only a fraction of a second, but it was enough for Rennick to press his foot against the wall behind him and lunge forward. Rennick smirked. Good. If the aging Gallo wanted a fight, Rennick would give him one. Rennick's combat training took over, his reactions outpacing his conscious thought. Gallo met Rennick's launch with one of his own, swinging a fist toward Rennick's abdomen. Rennick sidestepped, deflecting Gallo's strike and landing his own left fist against Gallo's side. He felt his knuckles crunch against the fleet marshal's ribs as Gallo grunted. So he was human. Rennick couldn't kill a god, but he'd killed plenty of humans. Rennick followed his strike with a kick against the side of Gallo's knee, assuming that the larger, older man's strength did not mean his joints were any stronger than his age allowed. He was right. Gallo's leg buckled and he stumbled to the side, honor guards scrambling back out of the way. Rennick caught the eye of the nearest guard, what if Rennick defeated Gallo? Would he be the new fleet marshal? Would this turn into some sort of archaic ascension through combat? Would they obey Gallo's orders, or defy him, embarrass him, and come to his aid? Rennick smirked at the honor guard. Were they willing to give their lives to save Gallo's? There was no time to wonder. Gallo recovered and barreled toward Rennick, lowering his shoulder and crashing into him. Rennick attempted to dodge, but the fleet marshal tackled him, and sent both crashing back into the wall. Gallo slammed his fist against Rennick's body, alternating from side to side in a flurry of imprecise yet ferocious blows. 
One slammed into the cast, and Rennick's breath gushed out of him. The polymer was too strong to crumple, but the pain was more than Rennick's mind could take. He screamed, falling to his knees while his left hand instinctively cradled his right forearm. Gallo's assault was unrelenting. Rennick attempted to stand, only to be met by Gallo's elbow cracking down on his spine between his shoulder blades, sending Rennick crashing to his hands and knees. The toes of Gallo's boot kicked Rennick's ribs again and again, cracking the bone and toppling Rennick onto his side. Finally, Gallo took a step back, the sound of his ragged breathing filling the vestibule. Rennick gasped for air, finding it nearly impossible to breathe through the sharp pain in his ribs and the excruciating throb in his right arm. He knew he would not win this fight, but he refused to die on his hands and knees. With every ounce of strength and willpower he had left, Rennick rose to one knee, then two, one foot, then both. Rennick locked eyes with Gallo, coughing and choking as he spoke. This is how you repay someone who gave you everything? I betrayed no one. Gallo narrowed his eyes, sweat covering his face. He held out his hand and one of the honor guard drew their bolt pistol and gave it to Gallo, just as they had with Admiral Elliot. He looked down at the weapon as he walked forward. Rennick managed to sneer, unwilling to display any fear or regret. Gallo came with an arm's reach and raised the weapon, its end only inches from Rennick's chest. It's a shame this is what you chose, Gallo growled. Rennick looked down to the bolt pistol. Amateur move, Gallo. Rennick used his final shred of energy and summoned the instincts of thousands of close combat disarm drills. In a blur of movement, Rennick sidestepped and pivoted his upper body, smacking the bolt pistol with open hands and dislodging it from Gallo's unprepared grip. The weapon spun in place, Rennick's left hand finding the handling. His fingers reached the trigger and pulled, muzzle nearly grazing Gallo's face. Nothing happened. Rennick tried the trigger again. Nothing. Grab him, Gallo ordered. Two honor guard rushed forward and grabbed Rennick by the arms, the pain from his broken ribs and arm like burning fire across his body. The bolt pistol clattered to the ground. Rennick screamed in fury, his cry gurgling out from his crumpled throat. Gallo bent down and picked up the weapon. He held it in his hand and examined it, clicking his tongue. Is that all it took? Rennick paused. Gallo was not advancing. Instead, he was regarding Rennick with a look of satisfaction. With no strength left to struggle against two well-rested, strong, and uninjured honor guard, Rennick was held up only by their arms, his legs unable to keep him upright any longer. Gallo stepped forward, regarding the bolt pistol with a strange appreciation. He looked to Rennick, anger gone from his eyes. Commander, I know when someone has the will to kill in their eyes, and I saw that in you just now. Gallo chuckled, turning the bolt pistol over, holding it up for Rennick to see. I admit, I have not seen that look toward me in a long time. It is refreshing, invigorating. I had my doubts on whether you would cooperate. Realization burned in Rennick's gut. Gallo had allowed himself to be disarmed. It was another deliberate injury. Rennick would never know if he truly could have bested Gallo, leaving the memory as a constant burr of doubt. 
just as Gallo intended. Gallo sighed and fixed the places Rennick had rumpled his uniform, then did the same for Rennick, tugging and pulling at the matching blue fabric. Rennick could only struggle to breathe and stare, enduring this final humiliation. Gallo had defeated him. Gallo rolled his shoulders and neck as if he'd just stood up after sitting for too long. You know, I still frequent the wrestling mats. None refuse a match with me, but I can tell that even the biggest and strongest opponents hold back, even when ordered not to. All I do is win. Difficult to practice when no one will challenge you. Gallo looked down to the bolt pistol and snorted. Not you, though. You're different from the rest, Rennick. When you believe something, you really believe it. That sort of... zealotry. It can't be bought with credits. Tell me, did you believe the gun would fire? To be honest, Rennick hadn't fully thought about it. 5e agents were not trained to show restraint, and the muscle memory reinforced that. But when it hadn't fired, he had been surprised. Yes, he croaked out, dismayed at the broken sound of his own voice. Gallo harumphed. And then... Rennick swallowed, words like broken glass ripping through his throat. We both die and the Republic falls. Gallo leaned close, eye to eye with Rennick. And is that what you want? Rennick exhaled deeply, letting his gaze fall to the floor. He shrugged against the honor guard, his feet finding their balance beneath his wobbling legs. Gallo nodded to them and they released Rennick's arms. No, Rennick whispered standing on his own. It is not. Gallo righted his posture, then brushed off Rennick's shoulders. Good. Heal up, Commander. With Reed Castro refusing to participate further, I need you to carry out the task I had hoped the Kestrels would. You are going to flush the High Imperius from his palace and onto the Terminus. When morning breaks tomorrow on the capital, you will plant a bomb I had engineered to cause a very specific pattern of destruction to the capital, after which martial law will immediately be declared. Gallo let his arms fall, evaluating Rennick with a look of mild amusement. Also, it appears there are holes in our intelligence community, as you're now painfully aware. The facade that is the Indigo investigation will be moved to your division, and I'll see that OS-9 has its concerns directed elsewhere. This will coincide with Defense Minister Archer approving the defunding and dismantling of 5E as the final consequence for their repeated failure to stop the Red Kestrel threat. I know how much your former colleagues have bothered you. Gallo exhaled, breath like the sound of receding thunder. You've won, Commander, as soon as you finish this final task. The redemption fell flat on Rennick's ear. He was still alive, but he felt no sense of victory. He was reduced to carrying out the tasks they had previously designated to the disposable red kestrels. This had all been a way to break him. His life had been taken from him, then given back. He was nothing to Gallo but the edge of a blade. All of this was a test to see if he was still sharp enough to keep or discard. Sir, Rennick managed to croak. Gallo raised an eyebrow. Yes, Commander? Rennick's eyes went to the bolt pistol. If the weapon was disabled, what would have happened if I hadn't disarmed you? A sadistic grin bent Gallo's mouth. Commander, in your fury, you failed to notice the gun was not disabled, only that its safety was engaged. 
Anger dulls the instincts. In your fury, you missed it. A flick of your thumb, and neither of us would be here. I hope you remember this lesson. Gallo nodded to one of his honor guard. Take him to the medical bay, my personal physician. See that he receives treatment and return him to Kestris. The honor guard nodded. Gallo took a step forward, bringing himself shoulder to shoulder with Rennick. You're a valuable asset, Tao, and I am not through with you. I trust all distractions are now cleansed from your mind, and you are ready to fulfill your purpose. Yes, Rennick said, forcing the simmering hatred from his voice. He knew his purpose, and it was not what Gallo presumed. I am. Gallo smiled, a sadistic grin that caused the muscles in Rennick's neck to tense around his damaged throat. Good. Do not fail me again. Rennick kept his stare on the floor as Gallo exited the room, the honor guard following him, all but the one Gallo had given instructions to. Rennick stood in silence, his breathing ragged, each breath more excruciating than the last. He felt a new emotion, a mix of shameful gratitude and searing rage, a rage so intense his slack, listless face could find no expression for it. Rennick's eyes narrowed. His spine was cracked, ribs shattered, arm broken, throat nearly ripped from his neck. It was a high cost to pay, but these injuries were payment in exchange for a lesson. Not the one Gallo presumed he'd learned, but two others. First, that Gallo was willing to dispose of Rennick once his usefulness was up. Second, that Rennick was willing and capable of returning Gallo the favor. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to episode 45. That is the end of Act 2, which, you know, goes from episode 16 to 45. It's 50% of the book, and that means we are at the final quarter, 75% mark. Hopefully you enjoyed seeing Rennick get a little bit of what he deserves. Uh, you know, it took a long time to get here, and ever since the start of the story, you know, I, I knew I wanted Rennick to... You know, get some consequences and some punishment for all of his dastardly deeds. And, you know, it took till episode 45, you know, to really make it worth it. So I hope that, you know, having, you know, Gallo smash him against the wall and beat the crap out of him felt a little bit satisfying for all those smug and arrogant things Renick has done so far. And then at the end, you know, to see that, you know, how much this approval meant to Renick and how he, how he was denied it, you know, it doesn't redeem him anyway, but it does show that, you know, he's a flawed person, damaged, you know, he's looking for that kind of psychological satisfaction, you know, like all the rest. And he just happened to do it in the worst way possible and kind of really become, you know, not a good person as a result of it. Coming up next is episode 46, which is the official start of Act 3 and also um, the fourth volume of the paperback. So episode 46 is a big one. It's, you know, the first chapter of, you know, the fourth ebook and, and paperback. So it kind of kicks things off and gets things started with all the uh, all the plot lines, all the different character groups um, to take the book all the way now to the end. So 15 episodes left. Thanks for coming on this journey. I hope you're listening. Email me at ericflowers.com or visit my website. Uh, otherwise, stick around because episode 46 is coming up next. And then episode 47 is another big, exciting one you're not going to want to miss. So stick around. See you next time.